Hi, you're listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution, where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. We're your hosts, Zara and Hien. And before we get started, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Even though we're a podcast that believes in decolonizing, we're still bound to the algorithm. So every little bit that you can help us out, we really appreciate it. And we thank you for all the support. Let's get into it. Hey friends, today we're talking to Jamika Scott, a writer and filmmaker from Tacoma, Washington. So Jamika, what's on your mind today? Um, how cold it is outside. <laughs> um, I'm glad it's not pouring down rain, but that's kind of what's on my mind today is just the, the changing from that like mild fall weather, which I guess we didn't get a ton of, but to this really cold, frosty weather. And the fact that I'm going to California this weekend and hopefully it's warmer. Nice. I'm happy for you and also a little bit jealous because <laughs> yes, um, it's like, it's not winter yet, but it basically is winter weather already here. Um, so I too am freezing my butt off. And so I guess I'll share a little bit um, with how I, how I met you, Jamika. Um, so we're both like Tacoma based and I met you at Jesse Vega, who's our friends, a writing workshop. And this was like pre-COVID. Like, do you remember like how wild that was? Like, it feels like so long ago, yeah. um, but our friend invited us over um, or she did a writing, like a writer's retreat workshop and she had us over at her home and she, um, it was just like a space and time to work on our projects. And then um, she fed us a wonderful meal. And then we kind of also like sat around and kind of shared what we were working on. Um, and that's how I met you. Uh, and then since then, you know, I just kind of follow you on social media. And I'm always really amazed at all the things that um, you do. And and I just think you're really cool. And so again, thank you for um, taking time to talk to us today. Um, having me. Yeah, of course. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your writing and your filmmaking? Uh, and also who, who is it for? Yeah. So, um, I have always been a, a writer, uh, even before I kind of considered myself that, like I just was a kid who was very interested in words and pens and notebooks <laughs> um, and reading books. And uh, and so I've always just kind of been into to words. Um, I've also kind of been a bit of a fabulist in my youth when I, I would tell a lot of stories. Um, you know, some people call them lies, but it was just my creativity. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, it started pretty early and I like, I've kept a journal for a pretty long time. And, um, when I was younger, my journal was less about like, Hey, and more about like, there was some processing. It was kind of a diary vibe, but, um, I would also use it to write short stories in and, and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of where that started. And I, it's always been the part of like my education that's come easiest to me um, in the sense that like I understand writing, but then also because I enjoyed it, it made it a little easier than like math and science and all the other things that we had to learn in school. Um, but it wasn't until college that I got into, I, I ended up majoring in creative writing. I initially went to school to for elementary education, um, but decided to get a creative writing degree because I am not a morning person and I certainly should not be teaching small children in the morning hours. Um, and so, yeah, so, uh, I was in college where I took a screenwriting class and I had a really cool professor who was kind of a goofball, kind of just a bit weird and quirky. He actually is one of the, uh, writers of the film. Um, what am I thinking? Uh, oh, now I can't even remember. Now I'm blanking on it. He, he'd be really sad about it. But I wanted to say Freaks and Geeks, but that's not the, it's not Freaks and Geeks. It's uh, Revenge of the Nerds. I was like, it's another movie. It's something about nerds and stuff. Anyway, so yeah, he, so he just kind of has like a silly goofball personality, but he was also really passionate about filmmaking and storytelling and screenwriting. And so that's kind of uh, where my passion for screenwriting really took off. Um I've always been interested in like film and television, uh, but never really 
saw myself as a writer or as somebody who could be involved in that world. I didn't necessarily see myself represented. So it didn't feel like something that was accessible to me. Um, and then, yeah. And so from there, it's just kind of become this like a little bit of a, an obsession of like writing a screenplay and, and, or multiple screenplays. And um, the issue was like finding people to make those screenplays into movies. And so um, after I graduated college, that was kind of eventually what ended up happening is I was like, well, I need some way for, you know, to build a portfolio that's more than just scripts. So I kind of ended up getting behind the camera. It's not my favorite place to be necessarily holding the camera, but um, it served its purpose. And luckily, you know, technology has made things so much easier with like cell phones and um, ways to kind of put your content out and things like that. So, um, so yeah. And, and aside, you know, I, I, I would say that I, I make my, you know, filmmaking, I, I do my writing for, um, kind of the underdog, I guess, like those are the stories I'm interested in, the people who aren't often seen, the people who aren't heard from, the people who have been discounted or, um, you know, just kind of not given that space to tell their story in the way that they want to tell it. Um, and then I'm also really interested in just like human connections and dialogue and how we talk to each other and how we interact. So I think that, you know, people who are kind of looking to go beyond the surface level of, you know, cause I love, don't get me wrong. Like I love a, a lightweight rom-com or something silly. Um, that's just, you know, something for you to take in, but, um, I'm really interested in making content for the people who, you know, aren't good with small talk who want to dive deep into the, the deep, deep conversations about our, darkest desires and and dreams and and wishes and hopes and all that so oh yeah I love that um thank you for sharing that with us and I think it's so interesting that you started off you said going to school for like elementary education and I and you said because you're not a morning person like oh I feel you on that like <laughs> and I I just for a short time I like pre-covid I was a um, yoga teacher at Sammy, um, one of the magnet high schools and in Tacoma. And um, it was really difficult for me as a teacher who was teaching first period to like come on time and like actually have to like be awake and be present. So I feel you on that. But um, yeah, I, I think I feel like I'm somebody who wants to hear more stories from the underdog um, and like the deeper stuff. And I, I like you, I love lightweight rom-coms or just like comedies, um, but I'm always interested as well in hearing just like from folks that I don't normally hear from, you know, or stories that I wouldn't normally uh, see. And so I think it's really cool that that is who um, your work is for. And um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what inspires you or maybe it's probably more than one thing, but I guess as of late, like whatever projects you might be working on right now, like what is it that you're finding is inspiring you? Um, again, I think it's just more of like connections between people. I've been very, and just like the way like communities work, um, you know, I, and I, I a lot of what I do, and I think it's the same probably for a lot of writers or artists in general, like definitely the work that I do is reflective of what is happening in my life at the time. Um, and so like I've been working on a screenplay that's kind of all about family and family drama and how things kind of go off the rails when, you know, a matriarch or patriarch of the family passes away. Um, and so, you know, I've that's been kind of intriguing to me lately. I've spent a lot of time looking into like um, the uh, probate process. <laughs> um, like we had to do, we've been, we just finished doing probate with my, uh, my grandma's estate. She passed away last year and like, um, and it's just, it's been just a very weird process and it, you know, and it's not a lot, it's, you know, I've learned a lot um, and I've been going with it through like going through it with my mom. And so I, I tend to go with her. My mom has a hearing issue. And so 
I'll go with her to, to places, make sure that she's not missing anything and make sure people aren't having to repeat themselves multiple times just to kind of make sure the process goes smoothly. And so, um, and, and part of that, I think, is my mom being like, well, you know, you might as well learn about this now because, you know, at some point, you know, the inevitable will happen. Um, and so it's been a very interesting process. And so I think that just kind of like family dynamics has, has been a really big um, motivator for the stuff that I've been writing and a big inspiration. And then as well as like local politics, um, I had started working on a project like actually years ago now that seemed really big. And I've always felt like I needed like essentially like a writer's room to kind of get it done. Um, but I, I always come back to it. I always add things that like, you know, have happened and would make an interesting storyline um, and so on. And so that's, you know, I've been, I kind of had put it away for a little while, but lately there have been some stuff happening in Tacoma with local officials, with uh, city ordinances and, and various things that have uh, inspired me to pick that project back up again. Wow. <clears throat> um, sorry. I love because uh, what I'm hearing you describe too, you're saying family dynamics, but it's like relational dynamics you seem uh, very astutely aware of. And I think that was something I noticed when I didn't get to watch a lot of your work, but I did watch one of your videos. I am going to get the name wrong, but I think it's called I Am Woman. It depends um, on I'm not, yeah, I was like, I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Things, so I often forget what I've named stuff. <laughs> you, if you want to tell me the content, I can maybe confirm. But um, it was about like matriarchal power and like uh, okay. women oh, in society. Yeah, yeah that's probably role. my project called Matriarch, actually. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's something about women. Mm. Um, <laughs> but Matriarch, yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful because I think that's what really came across for me in that, that was there's like a lot of awareness of the relational dynamic within community and what the matriarch does. And I really appreciated just now hearing you tell the story about your grandmother and matriarchs and like what that really means. And it, as someone who lost my dad a few years ago, it changing, losing someone in the family, losing a head of the family is such a dynamic shift. And it really does put everyone into these different roles. And I think it's really beautiful uh, that you're someone who both sees it and is able to document it in a way that is like artistic and lovely. Yeah. Um, but I do want to also add, you talked about politics a little bit um, and you seem, as Hien has told me, and from what I have learned so far, uh, involved in your community and you ran for mayor, I believe in 2021. Um, how has being an artist impacted your activism and your politics? Um. Honestly, my activism, uh, my politics, I feel like are an extension of my artistry and my creative way of like seeing the world. Um, and I mean, I would say that like me running for mayor was more, um, I would say that it was closer to direct action or um, a stage performance than it was about me being a politician. And that's not to say that I don't like, see the importance of that role. And it's not that I was like doing it to make light of it. Um, but one, like going into that race when I did, you know, I gave myself essentially um, a couple of months between the day I filed and when the primary election was happening. And, um, you know, my whole goal in that, like if I, it, I had to ask myself, like, if I, if something happens and things go, you know, well for me, I guess, in a sense, like, and I end up being elected, am I willing to do the job? Because um, I didn't want to ever step into some role just to like make a statement if I wasn't willing to do the work. And I'm also, I also don't want to, you know, if I'm not, I I, I publicly critique these people. And so um, on one hand, I had to like, not to say that if you're not willing to do the job that you can't critique elected officials and so on. Um, but the way in which that, you know, the critique of running for office, like, in a sense, I'm saying like, I can do this better than you. And if I'm saying I can do it better than them, then I have to be willing to try. And so that was kind of the first part of like trying to figure out if whether I was willing to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, what qualified as a win for me was not about like getting the most votes and being elected. It was about, you know, if I can, if I can insert myself into this space where people are so used to being comfortable 
and placating and saying the thing that they need to say to make the donors happy. Um, you know, if I can get into this place and kind of shake that up and make people have to say what they actually think and make people have to like uh, take a stand and, and not sit on the fence on something, uh, you know, I think my presence just my presence in it was to kind of push people to have to ask questions that they would have been able to easily avoid uh, by me not being there or by somebody who didn't represent a similar part of, um, I guess, you know, societal thinking and, you know, theology and so on, like it, people who are more in line with the traditional way of doing politics, I would say, um, you know, my I'm not that type of person I, and I wasn't that type of candidate. And I actually had a couple of issues with, initially I had hired like a consulting agency and I was very clear with them when I was like kind of courting agencies about like, this is what I am looking for. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not a typical candidate. Like I actually don't really even want to be a candidate. Um, and so, you know, and my, my goal in life is, you know, the top of the ladder that I'm climbing is not a city council seat in Tacoma. And I love Tacoma, so that's that's no shade on Tacoma, but it's, um, you know, that's just not the ladder I'm climbing. And so, you know, I was like, I need you to know that, like, the tactics you use and, like, the placating you do and the fence sitting that you do, I'm not going to do that because I, I'm actually, like, I, the way I see it, a lot of that happens because people are more interested in keeping that position of power and comfort than they are actually going in there and doing the work. And so, you know... I would love it if I got into office and in four years, people are like, yeah, you need to go like, <laughs> because you're disrupting too much. Like I, you know, or I, I, I don't want to go in there and be some, you know, what, one of the things that bugs me now is like, we'll be watching our city council meetings and uh, there's, you know, a really contentious like thing on the agenda, like an ordinance that's going to be passed, like the housing, uh, you know, the ban um, that they've put out now for, um, the homeless folks and so about where they can be and what area of the town you can be in and so on like that like um there are a lot of people who supposedly on city council like didn't agree with that and but like at the end of the day when the when it comes down to the vote they all vote for it and they all vote unanimously for it but my thing and you know I had a conversation once with a person who's on council and I was just like you know what was like why did this go down the way it did well you know like why didn't you know why didn't you say something why didn't you make a statement that spoke to the people who don't feel represented by this and it was like well you know we talked about it in you know xy meeting and study session and blah 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 and it was just clear that like it was going to pass okay well if it was going to pass with the majority of vote then what was the harm in being the one dissenting vote you know, what was the harm in going on the record and saying, not all of us agree with this, even if this is, you know, and because I think it's like, we have this, when we don't have that on record, it's so easy for people who want to maintain this like status quo to say, well, this is what we've always done. And, you know, like, this is, and if nobody's like, this didn't work, then the idea looks in the record book that it did work. And so, you know, I think it's, especially lately, I've been on a few, um, boards and commissions. And I've had to kind of learn, like, I think people think that dissenting is this like inherently confrontational and adversarial type of thing. And it's not. And, um, you know, it might produce a bit of discomfort, but like, that's, you know, that we just have to deal with it because that's life. So I don't know if I answered the question you asked. I kind of went on a tangent there. I'm a bit of a tangential speaker, but yeah. <laughs> No. First of all, we love that. Um, <laughs> we love that here. Trust me on that. And second of all, you know, I so appreciate um, not just how involved you are, but just how much conviction and heart you have in just what you, you were just talking about. You you say you're going on a tangent, but I'm just hearing like you light up and I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, I want to learn more. I want to know more because I think like, so, so like, you're talking about Tacoma, but also you're talking about a lot of different places uh, in the U.S. Um, and I feel like our listeners, as we have listeners um, all around the country, could probably relate to maybe the frustrations they see in their own towns, in their own cities. And um, so, yeah, I, and I think, you know what I think is interesting because I'm trying to remember 2021 feels like so long ago. It's really not that long ago, but it feels like so long. I'm thinking like what I really appreciated 
about your campaign when you were running is it felt like you had so much heart. Like it just felt like you had, you were bringing in so much heart into like the community and into like Tacoma and, and like, because there's a lot of heart and passion in Tacoma. It's called Grit City, the Grit City for a reason. Um, but I feel like the way they do, you know, just the business as usual politics, the way people want to stay in power, as you mentioned, um, like it, it just seems very like, like the values don't match with like how the people are and the communities are and like how our politicians and officials are supposedly representing us. I'm doing air quotes. Uh, and how they kind of like, like they fail us, um, they fail the people. And it, it it's so frustrating and it, it hurts to see. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you could say more about how, what you had said about dissent and uh, not necessarily being confrontational. Cause I myself feel like, well, even if it is confrontational I think like conflict is necessary if we want to move forward and progress. Yeah, so I guess I, I will say like, I guess it is, it's confrontational. Um... I guess how I should have phrased it is rather it's like you said, it's not a bad thing that is confrontational. Um, I think that there are, you know, I, because of our city's history with political and like official corruption, um, we have like, we, that's why we have the certain type of government we had. Um, you know, we had people who were abusing their power on the council. And so now we have what we call a weak mayor form of city council, which means that we have a we have a council and it has a mayor, um, but really the person who holds the most power in a lot of these, you know, these changing of rules and laws and, and so on is the city manager. And they, you know, we kind of, a lot of these things that are put in place were put in place after like a whole lot of corruption let that essentially led up to um a few different things but it kind of culminated in uh when David Brame killed himself and his wife um who was the police chief at the time and and so you know and like even after that was triggered like when that happened um it triggered a some investigations into the police department and it found that there was quite a broken culture of policing there. Um, that hasn't changed. They didn't do anything about that information. Um, all the people, like the person who rose to power after that was trained under all of those officers who were kind of deemed toxic and, and terrible. And then that person uh, was our last police chief, Donald Ramsdale. And he um, was our longest serving police chief and he came to power after all of this corruption. And so that like, because he touched that corrupt, because that, you know, that corruption was happening, that he was a part of it, but he was trained by all of those people, the values that they had were the values that they instilled in the department. And, um, and then going forward, like seeing what has happened, like the things that have happened in the city while Donald Ramsdale was our police chief. And then um, the things that have happened and, you know, he just recently retired, like during the pandemic, like shortly after they say it didn't have anything to do with what went down with Manny Ellis. But like, I don't know, you can't tell me differently because uh, I think it was a way for him to kind of take the heat off of himself because, you know, when you're the police chief, that's, you know, and that's kind of like, uh, you know, how I saw the mayor's office is like, I get that the mayor is quote unquote a weak mayor, um, but the power in that position is the bully pulpit. You know, you get to have this platform where you can um, talk to not only your colleagues, but the city, and you can help set the tone for, um, you know, how the community views justice and how the community views um, accountability and togetherness. And you can kind of help shift the way people see things, or you can offer that platform to other people uh, so that other perspectives can be shared. Because I, I think at the root of a lot of this is like, it's not that people are denying that there's a problem. I think that we all agree that there is some sort of problem. Um, the exact root cause of that problem and how to fix that problem is where we differ. And it's okay to have different plans because there are different, you know, there are different ways. There are as many different ways to solve a problem as there are people. And, um, but the issue is that what I feel we keep getting stuck with are people who 
continually see, you know, because because our city council members are are part time employees, um, because they don't have a lot of the power that other city council members like city councils have. Uh, so I'm like that, like it's it's sets them up to not be able to do the work for us that we need them to do. Like if you're if you're being told that this is a part time job, so you're getting paid part time hours. Uh, you know, you have bills to pay, you have a family to feed, you have a roof to need over your head. And so you're probably gonna, you know, and it's a temporary job. So people are constantly like, well, I have my, my actual job, and then I have city council, which I do. And so, you know, there are shifts that need to happen that make it so that our city council can actually work for the community, they can actually be in the community that that is that it is their job to do those things. Um, and so I think like what really initially, like, what got me into running and uh, what kind of propelled me through it was this idea that things can be different, uh, things can be better, um, and that it's okay to try something else and have that thing not work out because it's better than continually doing the thing that doesn't work anymore for anyone. So, yeah. Absolutely. With that, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I hope that I hope, I mean, I hope that not only you run again, but I hope more people like you also run to disrupt the system. Because I mean, I, I consider myself a disruptor in my field of wellness and yoga and stuff. And so any disruption in any field that needs it, I'm all for. Um, and thank you so much for explaining more about the city council, because I, I knew about the power that the city manager had, which I think is, I've always thought that was really messed up and just kind of weird. Um, I did not know about the city council positions being part-time, but that does kind of explain if it's just a part-time position, how, how like just how that might impact um, their attitudes about think, their role. I think just the mayor is the only like full-time role on the council. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. And, you know, this, this makes me feel like I just want to say to our listeners to like check in with how their own city council and their, um, in their cities work. Um, because I feel like the things that happen in Tacoma, it's not only in Tacoma. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us. Um, we always end with asking our guests, uh, this started out as a wellness podcast, but this word doesn't have to be wellness. We always ask what's one thing you want to see more of in wellness and what's one thing you want to see less of in wellness. Um, and I'm thinking more along the lines of asking you as an artist, um, as a community member, activist, organizer, um, what's one thing you want to see more of and less of? I would love to see more, uh, like collaborative spaces, um, like collaborative in this, in the word, uh, in the sense of the word of that, there are various artists of various mediums and backgrounds coming together and working on both individual and collective projects. Um, but also, um, collaborative in the sense that like, it's, the space itself is about art and creativity and storytelling, um, but it's collaborative in the sense that, you know, the funding, the support, the infrastructure for that program, whatever it looks like, is not just coming from, you know, the arts world, which is already terribly underfunded and most of us are starving artists and don't have a lot of money to <laughs> fund our own dreams, let alone um, a collaborative one, but you know, so I would love to see that. And the thing that I would love to see less of is like pilot programs and one time like funding pots. Um, you know, I think that like people, anytime we have these moments where it feels like the community is just off kilter and things are chaotic and confusing and tense, um, you know, there seems to be this pattern where uh, a lot of stuff starts to kind of break down, 
the adults are kind of, you know, they're either too busy with work or they're too busy with their problems or whatever. And so then our youth kind of get left to their own devices. And then something really terrible happens. Some youth commits a, a horrible crime or something. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, the kids or something bad happens to a kid. And I, I one of those things that happened recently was um, there was a young girl on the hilltop who was killed, Diana. And, um, you know, and a lot of people wanted to come together and like, we need to stop this. We need to do this. And like, I think there was some other, you know, there've been a lot of lots of gun violence a lot of the people who have either been the culprits or the um, victims have been younger folks and so we start to see this because they don't people don't have anything to do and especially with covid you know people kids weren't in school and they didn't really have a whole lot of guidance and a lot of people were trying to work to make ends meet and couldn't necessarily be there to give their kids the emotional and educational support that they needed um but we end up having these like you know kids who are kind of like looking for something to do and they get together and because they're young and impulsive something you know it's not always something bad but you know oftentimes something um bad and sometimes something deadly comes out of it. Um, and then we pour money into these like after school funds and these enrichment programs and things like that. And then after a little while, everybody's really happy about it. And the kids are all good. And everybody's like, kids are all right. And then they stop funding those. And then the cycle happens all over again. And it's the same with the mental. It's like, as soon as things start going well, people are like, okay, well, it's going well. So we don't need to keep putting money in that pot, but it's like an, it's like a mentally ill person or, um, physically ill person, you take your medicine, the symptoms are alleviated, um, you start to get better, you build up stronger. And, you know, some people recognize that this, the medicine that I'm taking is what's doing this and allowing me to live this life that I want. Some people are like, oh, well, the medicine works, so I'm going to stop taking it. And then they fall back into the spiral. And sometimes that spirals even worse. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening with our systems is that, you know, we have these whack-a-mole tendencies to kind of pick and choose what we want to focus on. And then, um, you know, then the other things that we neglected get really bad. So we put money in it, then we stop putting money in it and then it all happens all over again. Um, and so that's, you know, these pilot programs of like, let's give artists a one-time uh, unrestricted funds or let's, you know, give people $500 a month to see how it impacts their life. And, you know, just these things that the answers for are like right there. So I would love to see a lot less of these like empty gestures and, and yeah, I just pilot programs, what, whatever field it's in, I'm tired of seeing it. There's enough research out there that we can just start investing in the things that we know are going to help. Yes, to that. And I've always felt that way when I hear about these pilot plans, I'm just like, wait, but I feel like we know that this would work. Like, why don't we just sustain it and just make it part of our lives and system and like watch it improve everybody's lives and, and the community. So thank you for naming that because yes, I'm tired of that in every, every field as well. Um, Zara, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, I absolutely love how beautifully you spoke on all of this and just articulated like, the differences and like I didn't know the term that we're we've just been using man these pilot programs sorry which I think was like really helpful and I think it's really interesting that Tacoma City Council has kind of run like reddit moderators um is how that felt to me <laughs> it's like oh you have a full-time job manage this community and get nothing out of it right um, <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I'm learning a lot today I really appreciate it I thank you so much for being on I'm inspired by your art and your work and your knowledge it is it's great thank you um and do you have a way of getting in, for the people to get in touch with you? We can already get in touch with you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am on social media as oh damn jam. Um, and sometimes there's an underscore af like before the jam. I think on TikTok, it's just all one thing on Instagram and uh Twitter there it's odam underscore jam I just got back on tumblr I made one post um I think it's the same I think it's the same on there too I think it's odam jam on there as well um but yeah so you know I'm around and then if you still have your voters pamphlet my phone number's in there so you can call me if you want to <laughs> I accidentally put my uh cell phone number in the voters pamphlet um luckily I didn't get a lot of prank calls it was all good uh, but yeah, so I'm, I feel like I'm around, I, you know, I like to wander around the hilltop and take photos or parks. And so, you know, if you're ever looking for a, a photo buddy or art buddy, um, I love to, you know, wax poetic with people. So, um, yeah, you can find me. I'm around. 
I have a website, jamikascott.com. Thank you so much, Jamika, for being on here and talking to us today. And I do just want to say your TikToks are so funny. Like I just remember like last year when you were, I think it was while you were campaigning, you were also posting like really funny TikToks. Um, <laughs> and so I just want to like shout out that. Um, and so thank you so much again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So this is our post interview um, with Jamika and Zara and I were just gushing about how much we admire and love Jamika. And um, then Zara was like, you know what, we should just start recording. And so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first I want to say like totally amazed by everything Jamika said, uh, her work, everything that she brought to the table um, and shared with us. Um. I don't, I, I wish I remembered what we were just talking about, but you know, I have ADHD. Um, why did I remind you? Yeah. I want to know why, (laughs) why I said, let's record this. So basically I was talking, wow. Now that you made me, (laughs) I'm going back and looking at this. I'm forgetting, but I think it was something about, Oh, oh, direct action. Yeah. So, um, Jamika talked about running for mayor in 2021 uh, in Tacoma. And I was saying that it was interesting how she said she saw that as like a direct action and uh, sort of a performance um, because, I mean, shit needs to be disrupted, you know? And I, I thought that was so interesting because I haven't really thought about politics in that way or at least with like electoral politics like I feel and before you told me to record now I'm remembering because before you told me to record um I was gonna say that like I usually see electoral politics um and just like power and wanting to change power as very like almost like binary like you either are going to be the you know professional air quotes professional candidate who is like the typical candidate or at least something about you is so that most people like will take you seriously and want you to win and you win um like you're meaning basically you're in it to win it or you're not gonna win and you didn't make a good impact you know it's just like you're you're in it to win it or you're not and we don't look at any of your contribution as anything valuable because you didn't win so I guess in my mind because you know, the politics that I consume or political news I consume, it tends to be very binary of like, well, so-and-so be able to win or not. And what does this mean for this team or this team, right? Um, And so, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting in thinking about what she said. Um, Yes, and I totally agree with that because I too had never thought about the power that comes from uh, running for office in the sense that I, uh, Jamika mentioned this in the episode where it's like, yeah, I can be the person who, because I'm there, tougher questions that they might be able to avoid will get asked because I'm willing to answer them. And I think that's, I mean, honestly, this episode and Jamika are an inspiration for like a way we can all get involved in direct action and not saying like everyone should run for office. So they all have to answer all of our questions, but it's like, (sighs) <sighs> we have so many moderate Democrats who have no one running unopposed to them or who don't have to answer hard questions about like uh, healthcare, about public education, about gun control. And I mean, they do, they surface level answer these questions. But if you have someone who is willing to, from the margin, speak up and say, hey, I actually have a, a, a big descent to this conversation or have something to add to this conversation that is going to drive it from that moderate middle ground of like well we want everyone to have everything so we can all get elected or whatever um I do think that's what we need more of you know it really does and as performance like I'm not looking to win I'm not looking for an outcome like you said it's not the binary it's how are we how are we moving the conversation forward? And I think um, who, 
maybe it was even Joe Biden who said like voting is like getting on a bus, you know, you're like trying to get you to the closest destination, uh, but they don't change bus stops uh, based on, you know, like they are like, they change bus stops based on how many people go to them, how like popular that city is. Right. So it's like, cool. Well, we're trying to get Arizona anywhere in Arizona is a bad idea for a place named Tacoma, Washington. We're trying to get to Tacoma, Washington from Orlando, you know, and it's like, okay, well we have a stop in. Fuck. I'm so bad at American geography for cities. I don't know. Gatlinburg, Tennessee, right? But it's like, nobody goes to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. If we could, you know, maybe everyone, more people will go to Nashville. If we can get people talking about, I don't know, this is a, this metaphor is a bit lost in translation, but I do think it is fascinating to see how we, as people are able to move the needle forward or in a different direction based on our decision to engage in direct action within our local communities. So yeah, I talk too much, Yen. How how do you feel about that? Well, I agree with you on that, I think. Um I I guess like what I just really appreciate about Jamika is how much like heart she has. Like I feel like she she is such like a Tacoman in the way of like there's just so much heart and grit like and I think I had mentioned you know like Tacoma is grit city um and I just really appreciate that she puts that forward and in like everything that I've seen her do and what I know about her I feel like she puts that forward and I just really appreciate that and I definitely think when it comes to politics local or not right because she's very she very much talked about local politics which I think can be so interesting and very easily overlooked but can be so interesting and so important um I just think there needs to be more of that but also Zara you and I are heart types and so of course I'm going to say that you know I I'm, I'm hoping that uh you know for folks who are not Enneagram heart types that they could also feel what we're saying um but I guess what I mean when I say puts a lot of heart is that there's just so much of like her values coming through and what she does and what she says. And I just really appreciate that about her. Um, and I, I just feel like we would be in a better place if we had elected officials who were like that, who had heart and their values aligned. Absolutely. Um, but I also think that is a call to all of us to embody a bit of what Jamika does with her work in her life, which is live in your values, like get integrated into your community and get connected to people. Cause I think that, yes, we need that in politics, but I think we let it slide in politics because we let it slide in our everyday lives, right? Where it's like, am I in integrity? Am I living in by my values when I'm like, I don't know, speeding and cutting people off in traffic. No, I don't do that very often, which is I'm trying to find a thing that is feels like morally neutral and like, you know, but like if you're cutting people off in traffic, like what are your values? If your value is to like be number one everywhere all the time, fine. I guess you're living in your values. And I, I think that's a whole different issue that we need to, you know, but most of us aren't as we continue to watch capitalism eat us alive, um, a lot of us are really questioning our values and like, what if these values and we continue to deconstruct and decolonize white supremacy culture, um, you know, we start to wonder like, what are our values and what has been instilled in us? Cause like that drive to be the best, that drive to be number one, that drive to speed in traffic and cut everyone off, right? Like, is that your value or is that what's instilled in you? Because, I think if you start to live in your values, it's a lot easier and it, it's a lot easier to notice when other people are living their values and it's a lot harder to make choices where you're living outside of those values, you know? And it's not, again, I feel like I've been talking about this in our post interviews a little while now, cause it's a thing I'm thinking about quite regularly in my life, um, about like living in our values and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do think 
I was really impressed with the way Jamika uh, just lives in her values and is able to incorporate all the different facets of her life and herself. Like, I love how the end she was like, I'm not political. Like, I'm not a politician. Yeah, that's the bonus episode. So be sure to subscribe and listen to that. Yeah, yeah, we got to get our shameless plugs in there. Um, And because truly, I just can never remember what the distinction is between our bonus episode and our non-bonus episodes. Um, But yeah, she talks about, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm an artist. I'm a this. I'm a human. I'm a person, you know? And like, yeah, yeah, I love that. I don't know. I, God, like you said during the episode, I don't know, maybe it's in the bonus episode. I don't fucking know everyone. <laughs> I love you all, but I can't remember. Um, but you were talking about how, um, oh, you were talking about how this is a hard week and how you want to, and this like in- interview inspired you. And I do feel that way as well. Like, I feel like I was just like, meh about this week, but now I'm like, yeah, we live in our values. We incorporate art. We care about politics. We care about our community. Um, you know, which is maybe too much gusto for 5.30 p.m. on a Monday, but here we are. <laughs> I don't think there can ever be too much gusto, at least when you're a fire sign, okay? Like, I've said it before, but this podcast is run by two fire sign women, and I love that about us, and I, I never want to, like, I don't know, dampen our gusto or our flame whenever we have flames right so I'm all for it um yeah I I definitely feel um much more better about that's I I mean that's like an understatement I just feel a lot better um about life in this week after talking to Jamika but also like that is often what happens here where we might come into the interview feeling whatever way we feel. And before we even got started, Zara, we were both sharing how exhausted we've been feeling. And yet it's always amazing. We start talking to our guests and we feel, um, you know, we feel their hearts and we feel um, their passion and conviction on the topics they talk about. And then that rubs off on us. And I, I hope that rubs off onto our listeners as well because I feel like so much of what Jamika shared I just appreciate because it makes me think about my own like the roles that I play in my community um, and maybe other roles I've yet to take that I want to take and I just like really appreciate that and so another thing that she said that's really sticking to me is how she said that her activism in politics is like an extension of herself as like an artist. And I'm thinking like, you know, I do a lot of things that I don't call art, but I do believe at my core, I am an artist, but it feels so cringe to say that as a four, I'm sorry. Like it just, I just like, even saying that I feel like, oh God, I don't want to come off as pretentious. So Zara, I'm just going to give it back to you. Um, I was going to say, I agree with that in the sense that I also feel cringy calling myself like an artist or a writer, but I, I do spend a lot of time doing artistic and or writing things. Um, but I also wanted to add, I was trying to look for this during the interview, which I shouldn't have been because I get easily distracted, but I, we put kids cause it's from a meme we posted on our page. Um, And it's a quote and it says, all poets, all writers are political. They either maintain the status quo or they, or they say something's wrong. Let's change it for the better by Sonia Sanchez. Um, And we found that via the NAP ministry because we like to give credit where credit is due. Um, But that's very much how I felt about what Jamika was saying. It's like art is intended to push boundaries. Art is political. You know what I mean? Like you can say it's not all you want, but like then it's just like kitsch, which is like, bullshit art or that's a whole other conversation I don't want to get into on the philosophy of art but like art is meant to move us forward and inherently so I know it in philosophy as the hermeneutic circle I know there's another name for it in the art world but it's the same concept and it's the idea that like a piece of art isn't static it it's like from the artist, everything they've ever experienced goes into that art. 
And from the person looking at the art, everything they've experienced, they see the art through that lens. And then that person talks about the art through that lens. So it's like, it always gets shifted, right? So it's like, it is always inherently pushing us forward because it is showing you from a lens of someone else, you're seeing it through your lens, like someone else is passing it through their lens. Like it, that's how art moves. Like it's a spiral versus like an, a circle. And yeah, I don't know. I do love the connectedness of art and its ability to be inherently political while also just like bringing joy and beauty to our lives, you know? Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't know. I think yeah. we're lucky. I think so too. I, and you know, as you were explaining what you just said, it just makes me think, well, if art is like, it definitely um, the experiences of the artist gets passed into the art. And then we, as I don't know, the viewers of the art, get it, we see it um, from our own experiences. I just kind of feel like then we are all kind of pushing each other forward then like not to get to like I don't know corny humanity based but I mean that's kind of I mean that's actually how I am and really what I think is that then in that case we are all pushing each other forward especially if we are talking about art in a more expanded way as we've been talking about wellness in a more expanded way um then we are all pushing each other forward with the things that we create um whether it's art art or just other creative things, because I think we're all creating something. Um, and that's just something I'm sitting with right now is how we are then really, we're all pushing each other forward, hopefully. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there can be, as we like to say on this wellness podcast, a lot rabbit holes, people fall down in which maybe are not pushing us forward. And there's art that's not inherently pushing us. I mean, it's pushing people forward, but in maybe a not weird... where we want to go. Yeah, yeah, I think right? that's there, why there, there's pushing us forward towards where we want to go towards love, towards justice, towards beauty, towards our values. And then maybe, you know, there's things that are pushing us towards where we don't want to go. Like Mars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great note to kind of end this conversation on is we're all pushing each other forward, except for some of us who are pushing people down rabbit holes or into, I don't know, Amazon towns, things that are not going to be good for our future. But most of us, like the people listening to this podcast, we're moving forward. We're pushing each other forward and we're sitting with that and we're <sighs> reflecting on our values and how we live in them Absolutely. and we're just trying to get through this week every single week <laughs> oh my gosh absolutely like I can't even add to that because that's just too fucking real um every week right I just gotta I just gotta get through this week and becomes I just gotta get through this month which becomes I just gotta get through this year um and I've been feeling that way since 2020 so that's cool um but yeah thank you everybody um for listening and enjoying our little conversation that went all over the place because we it's definitely not scripted. we like it and we like <laughs> it we like it we're all over the place um and we like it and we love you and um take care everybody bye for now thank you for listening to the thoughtful wellness revolution podcast for bonus content, you can go to thoughtfulwellnessrevolution.substack.com and subscribe for $5 a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at thoughtfulwellnessrevolution to share your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening. 